Rich Conti, and I'm here in the podcast studio inside the Charleston Digital Corridor's flagship incubator to bring you another episode of the CDC Tech Life podcast. In this episode, we're fortunate to have the chance to talk with the founder and CEO of one of the fastest growing technology startups in South Carolina. Since the COVID pandemic progressed, there's been a lot of talk about the Great Resignation, the most significant structural change in the workforce in decades. In a moment, we'll hear how this local tech startup is using big data to help employers manage through this disruption in the workforce. This episode is sponsored by SCRA, the South Carolina Research Authority. SCRA is fueling the state's innovation economy by connecting industry, academia, and entrepreneurship. Learn more by visiting them at scra.org. Today, I'm fortunate to be joined by AJ Rikiki. AJ is founder and CEO of Sprockets. Thanks for joining me here today, AJ. No, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be in this wonderful building and this wonderful city. Great. Well, do you want to start with maybe a snapshot about Sprockets? What's your mission? What are some of the solutions you offer? Who are your customers? Yeah. So at Sprockets, we're obsessed with helping companies rely on the hourly workforce, reduce costly turnover, and hire great people. Mm-hmm. So especially during um, COVID and the Great Recession, mm-hmm. a great resignation as well, um, it's never been harder to keep and retain quality people to, to run your business. Mm-hmm. And so at Sprockets, what we've done is we've created technology that screens candidates as soon as they come in so that companies can get to them faster with more confidence to hire them, that they're a good fit for the business. They're going to stay long-term and they're going to be dependable workers for the future. Uh, Besides yourself, who are some of the other key members of the team? We have a a full team here in Charleston and beyond. Uh, My COO is Chad Troutman. My CRO is Christian Palumbo. My CPO is Eric Liu. These people come from various backgrounds, but all in SaaS, um, point of sale systems, uh, marketing technology, insurance technology, um, all really high powered people that have built amazing companies and have built stuff from nothing to unicorns. And we hope to be that next story. Uh, What sort of motivated you to launch Sprockets and what were some of the experiences that you think sort of led you up and, and prepared you for that? The origin story of Sprockets is really interesting. It was actually started as a dorm room project. Mm -hmm. So taking a step back, um, when you go to school in New England, you get chirped a lot when you're a New York sports Mm -hmm. fan, right? I'm a Jets, Mets, Islanders fan. And so it's just the bad blue collar New York sports Mm -hmm. teams. I got made fun of enough by Pats fans and Celtics fans and Red Sox fans to know that New York is just a very bad city for picking talent. Mm-hmm. in drafts and in trades and in, in free agency. So here I am bored um, in a boarding school in New Hampshire. Internet turns off at nine o'clock, <laughs> not really much to do. And my love of computer science and artificial intelligence and, and big data kind of came into play where I started to build models of college athletes to be able to predict who was going to make it at the next mm-hmm. level. And just kind of dabble with that, you know, had some fun Mm -hmm. with some friends, you know, like didn't really take it that seriously until it started to work really, Mm -hmm. really well, where over time we were able to, with great accuracy, predict, all right, who's going to be the next MVP? Mm -hmm. Who's going to be the next college quarterback that that gets busted? Right. And we started to work with a few professional sports teams and providing them this data of, hey, you have the number three pick. We think you should pick this person Mm -hmm. because of this data. 
And some people listened, some people bought, some people didn't, but we helped a few of those teams win championships. And it kind of just started the very beginnings of Sprockets where we were able to use data to help organizations pick talent, get them to staff the organization and ultimately build a championship winning mm-hmm. team, which is the same thing we do now, just with a lot more sophistication and, uh, and, and resources at a bigger scale. Right. You mentioned your love of computer science, your interest in big data and your experience right. sort of at the, at the boarding school. What are some of the other uh, parts of your background or experiences that you think maybe prepared <laughs> you and sort of led you down the direction of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I've actually had a pretty unconventional path where after high school, I didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. So um, I've since re-enrolled and I'm taking mm-hmm. classes at, at, at night to, to finish my four-year degree, which started right when I had kids and I wanted mm-hmm. to show them a good example. But I think really early on throughout my childhood, I always took just a different path than usual. Like I'm a very curious person. And I think my parents and my wife will tell you that it's frustrating at times because I mm-hmm. question everything. And uh, particularly around sprockets, it's the hiring process has remained virtually unchanged for centuries, Mm -hmm. right? You post a job, you exchange a little information, you have a conversation, you hire and you hope, right? And there hasn't Mm -hmm. been much innovation in that space. Um, And I think that we were one of the first companies to really challenge this and say, like, why does there have to be a screen? Why Mm -hmm. does there have to be a face-to-face interview? Why do you have to go through and schedule all these superfluous steps when there's 300% turnover in the hourly workforce right now? Likely the general manager is frustrated. Likely the general manager is is fatigued of the process. Let's look at the problem differently and try to use technology to make that easier. And that started when I was five, six years old through countless stories. But I think the crux of it is looking at problems differently and really having the gumption (laughs) <laughs> and I think my dad would say at times, like being naive enough to think it will work yeah. to really propel an idea and, and get traction with it. Right. Well, speaking of traction, what are some of the milestones that you've hit, things that you might be proud of at this point with Sprockets? Yeah, I think working with and servicing thousands of customers, um, that's number one. So we work with franchisees and brands like Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. McDonald's, Hilton, uh, Papa John's, um, and just about every other uh, brand in the franchise space. I think. Raising capital is not the end goal, but I think it speaks to the work that the team has done and the traction that we've had. Uh, we've ra- we just raised a $10 million Series A um, at the beginning of this year and using that capital to accelerate that growth, mm-hmm. capture more customers and service more people. So, you know, a lot of things from product as well is we've expanded the product from not just matching technology, but also help uh, supplement sourcing issues offering background checks, offering tax credit screenings, and being more of a platform rather than a point solution are all things that I think we're really proud of at Sprockets. That's great. Earlier, you mentioned the great resignation. What are some of the challenges for your customers and by extension for you as a business that this big structural shift in the workforce is creating? And what are maybe some opportunities it's also creating for you? It's it's the wild, wild west right now in hiring, right, is you've never we've never seen turnover like this than ever before. And it all really started with COVID, Mm -hmm. right, where you had unemployment at about three point six percent before COVID. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it jumps up to nearly 15 percent during the peak of the pandemic. And during that time, what's interesting is that a lot of people point at millennials and Gen Zers particularly and say, 
you were living off government checks. Mm-hmm. You were super lazy during that time. Like you just watched Netflix and you chilled out. When I actually don't necessarily think that's true. I think mm-hmm. that people were really crafty with their time off, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the hourly workforce. And I think that they upskilled in a lot of ways, yeah. right? So you see some industries like QSR, hospitality, C stores, where despite us reaching back to pre-pandemic data of unemployment back to 3.6, 3.7%, the applicant pool is actually just a little bit more shallow yeah. because those people ascended during that time to take a free programming class, right, online, or um, they did some, they went back to school with that money or, Hey, they didn't have the stress of, you know, caring for their family financially. So they took a chance and became a call center rep. Mm -hmm. Right. And right now I don't have like this overarching solution of, of Mm -hmm. how to fix it. Um, However, I think at Sprockets, what we've done is we've given tools to these industries that are currently in a labor crunch, still the ability to get to candidates faster in a tight labor market and ensure that the people that they are hiring are the right fits. So ultimately it reduces the 300, 200% turnover. So you become less reliant on a tumultuous hiring process mm-hmm. in labor market and can invest more in operations and growth and revenues. So driving greater efficiency. Yeah, right. in some ways it's somewhat the great respite to the great refresh uh, as much as it was a resignation. Right. I like that talking about folks taking advantage of the time to upskill and, and, and better themselves. Now, in addition to Sprockets, like you've made a really, it seems like very committed, pointed attempt to get really uh, directly involved in the tech and entrepreneur communities here in Charleston through efforts like Charleston Open Source, SC Codes and Disrupt H. Um, is that something that you intentionally set out to do? And why is that important to you? And what are some of the things maybe you've pulled back and have helped you from that experience? Yeah. So I, I like to start with this story of, of why we picked Charleston, mm-hmm. right? So um, my wife and I have been together since we were at like middle school, high mm-hmm. school, and she was graduating college. I was working in the United States Senate in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. it's a whole story. <laughs> um, but, you know, after we had some success right out of school, we had the opportunity to really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And we grew up in Syracuse, New York, where it's a great place to grow up, not throwing shade, but it's very cold. It could be cloudy <laughs> at times. And we wanted to go somewhere where that wasn't the case and kind of go to a place where it wasn't our hometown. Because I think for personal growth, we really prioritize yeah. that. And so we started to just get in an airplane and travel from city to city. So we went to Austin, we went to Charleston, we went to San Diego, we went to Denver, we went to Chattanooga. And my process when I was on the airplane is on the way to the city, I'd reach out to five different um, executives in the area Mm -hmm. and just saying, hey, my name is AJ. I'm an up and coming founder. Mm -hmm. I'd love the opportunity to just grab coffee with you and sit with you. And, you know, in Austin, I think we got two people Mm -hmm. to respond in Chattanooga. I I don't remember the exact numbers, but. In Charleston, I got four out of five people to respond to me. And it wasn't just a, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. These were people that were going out of their way saying, hey, I got to pick up my daughter at six, but I can meet you at seven. You know, it's like it it was very clear that it was inconvenient with like a Mm. 24 hour um, window. But they all made time to talk with me, not just about technology, but also why I should come here to Charleston. And so. That resonated with me and it encouraged me as soon as I got here to instantly volunteer at some of the organizations that you mentioned. And it remains core to to the way I think about community development Mm -hmm. 
um, and my faith in, in, in this tech ecosystem moving forward and something that I'm going to stay really close with. Yeah, it's as much culture as it is quality of life, right? And, and you know, I, I think it's really great that you were so intentional about your search, right? You knew you yeah. sort of wanted to change and you sort of had a, a methodology that, that you went by. That's, yeah, that's and, and I think too, like, I think it's been refreshing for some of the incumbent tech leaders to have somebody from the outside that's been part of other tech mm-hmm. ecosystems to challenge different things within the market, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a dangerous talk track and... I think Charleston and a lot of cities fall into this sometimes of everything's rosy. Right. Right. Like we have the best city on earth. We're like number one. Mm-hmm. On, I can't remember. What is the, the Tra- travel and leisure? Yeah, or, we're like yeah. The number one thing. <laughs> we have all of this great technology companies like come here and everything will be great. And I think when I got here, I started to really point out some of the things I think that the industry could work on and this the ecosystem could really approve. And I think I've worked really hard to to tackle those particular issues that may not have been focused on too much before I got here. Not to say I'm savior or anything, but I'm really proud of the work that we've been doing and thinking it's going to make an impact for the next founder that hopefully reaches out to me that one time. Right. And just keep on using that momentum of of improving the things that we're that we're challenged with right now to drive innovation, drive more people to join the tech ecosystem here. Yeah, let's pick up that thread. What do you think some of the assets, opportunities, challenges, weaknesses, you know, we've got as a community here? Yeah, so I could just tell you from raising a lot of money here mm-hmm. and operating, I would argue the fastest growing company in Charleston or the fastest growing company in South Carolina is local customers mm-hmm. is a really big pain point. Yeah. So when I go into these rooms, like RVCs are from Atlanta, D.C., San Francisco and New York. And the question always is after kind of a long pause after the pitch is, why do you live in Charleston? Mm-hmm. Like, can this business work in Charleston? Mm-hmm. And what I would say, if it was true, is we have a great user base in the Charleston market, because I think one of the really great strengths of Charleston is we have a lot of big of industry. Mm-hmm. Right? We have car manufacturers. We have the ports, our supply mm-hmm. chain. We have some of the biggest, most recognizable Fortune 100 companies mm-hmm. in our backyard. But I think. One of the gaps is those companies don't always work with local startups. Mm-hmm. And there isn't this this culture of bridging the startup community with those conglomerate organizations like right mm-hmm. within our backyard. Because the narrative is very different. And if I and every startup in Charleston can say, I have a pilot going with XYZ company. I don't want to say names, yeah. but I have a I, I, I we have our first engagement with that company or hey, we have an advisor that lives in Charleston that is super passionate about the area and super passionate about our company. I feel like that's where the biggest gap is because despite us getting amazing resources coming in from, I think we're doing a great job with facilities. I mean, mm-hmm. Ernest and CDC mm-hmm. and even like Harbor Accelerator are doing great jobs of programming, facilities, getting in good mentors, um, funding like with Venture South, mm-hmm. SCRA, um, CHAPS, which is Charleston Angel Partners. like covering a lot of bases. I think the next thing for us is to truly drive the customer adoption through local customers so that it's easier to fundraise, more justifiable mm-hmm. to get valuations when you're at the fundraising table and leverage some of those big logos to get founders that are starting out into boardrooms that they weren't able to get before, even with all the capital in the world. 
what's the role you'd like to see Sprockets play in the community as you go? Is it to be that pilot or be that breakthrough or be that case study for that challenge? What are some of the other things that you think, you know, Sprocket brings to the community? Yeah, it's a good question, right? I think first and foremost, I have a responsibility to the shareholders of the business that Mm -hmm. aren't mutual that are are as passionate with Charleston and I am. So first and foremost, it's going to be prioritization of them, their interest and our customers' interest. But, you know, in terms of what we can do for Sprock or for Charleston, I think investing locally in um, hackathons, Mm -hmm. like we're talking about hosting a hackathon locally where we can challenge some Sprockets problems, Mm -hmm. but bring people together where they can meet each other, learn what other companies are doing, things along those lines. I think it's um, investing in code schools. Right. Mm -hmm. So building up the local infrastructure so that we're not just pulling developers out of San Fran in New York like Mm -hmm. we are right now. We might find somebody that we can take like an entry level employee, put them through JRS coding school and then hire them through that program. A number of other things, but. It's a a tough thing, right? Um, And I think truly being an example is the number one thing we can do. Right. I think Blackbot and Bev and Focus and Boomtown and Fish Labs have all really paved the way for entrepreneurs like me and founders like me and technology companies like Sprockets to grow here. And my number one priority is to be that next success story so that we can inspire the next round of founders. Well, given that, what does success look like, you think, for Sprockets in, say, three to five years? Yeah, I think success looks like Blackbot and Benefit Focus is scaling the company in the Charleston market or in the Southeast market, IPO and result in financial and technology success for far more people than just the shareholders, right? Like let's get every employee Mm -hmm. set up, which show the market kind of what Charleston can do and propel us onto a national stage Mm -hmm. via the Sprockets platform. Yeah. It's those exits that really, you know, you get enough of them and that's what levels up the community as a whole. Cause you get more people that have sort of benefited from going through that experience and they you know go off and start their own ventures. And I have this whole uh, theory of Charleston specifically and people who are fans here, I think will appreciate it is I have this triangle (laughs) theory about sprockets is all of the Charleston or a lot of the Charleston tech ecosystem started from when ADT got purchased. Mm-hmm. They got purchased for like 800,000 mm-hmm. or 800 million. Right. And so all of those people started to branch off into these amazing next wave of companies, which is the black bots of the world, mm-hmm. the benefit focus of the world. And then once they IPO'd and had success themselves, you see this next tier, which is wider than the previous two tiers, mm-hmm. which is like the boom towns, the fish labs, the ceteris mm-hmm. of the world. And that kind of created this momentum for this next wave of company where I would place sprockets in of getting really wide and being able to learn from their experiences, have those people on our boards, have those people as advisors, have those employees that have been there, done that, join at an earlier stage and increase the probability of success. So I think we're doing a really good job of a community of, of leveraging exits when they happen. Mm-hmm. But now it's like a, it's a game of numbers, right? Yeah. Is the more exits you have, the more triangles you produce, right. if you will, that it doesn't grow linearly. It grows exponentially for the entire ecosystem. Yeah, a while back we had Greer Allen from Boomtown on right. the show, and he described it in very similar terms. Right. You know, he's had a front row seat for a couple of decades now on it, and and it's interesting that you guys sort of chose the same sort of model or, or, yeah. or metaphor for it, so that's great. Well, thanks, AJ. Where can listeners go to learn more about Sprockets? Yeah, probably the easiest way is just sprockets.ai, just right on our website. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. do it for this episode. I loved hearing the origin story behind Sprockets 
and AJ's story of how and why the company landed in Charleston. We're lucky to have them here in the community, and I expect they'll establish themselves as a linchpin in the local and regional technology industry. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, SCRA. SCRA is fueling the state's innovation economy by connecting industry, academia, and entrepreneurship. Learn more by visiting them at scra.org. I also want to thank Ernest and the rest of the team at the Charleston Digital Corridor for their support and partnership in bringing you this show. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. It's a great time to catch up on some old episodes you may have missed and leave us a rating or review so we know how we're doing. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and follow the Charleston Digital Corridor as well to stay up to date on all the happenings here in Charleston. I'm Rich Conti, and until next time, this has been the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. Thank you.